Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MD Advantage podcast. This is Steve Adubato. MD Advantage is proud to now be a part of the MAG Mutual family. MD Advantage physicians and their practices will continue to receive exceptional protection and support now backed by the strength and stability of MAG Mutual. Our podcast is honored to be joined by Dr. Christopher Holsteg, who is Chief of Division of Medical Toxicology and Professor of Emergency Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Virginia and a member of the medical faculty at MAG Mutual Insurance Company. Doctor, great to have you with us. Thanks, Steve. You know, the topic today, medical errors. First of all, how big is the problem? And then we'll talk about the reasons for it. Yeah, that's certainly a problem, right? We're using a lot of medications, uh, both in the hospitals and out in the community uh, when patients are at home. So medication errors are certainly a concern that we have as we care for our patients. Talk about your background as a toxicologist. Yeah, so I'm a medical toxicologist. Uh, I take care of patients who are poisoned. Uh, that can go anywhere from intentional to unintentional. We care for patients who may have adverse drug reactions in the hospital. We also care for patients who may have gotten medications where there are drug errors that occur in hospitals or out in the community. You know, I, I want to jump into something because it's, it's, it's anecdotal, but it's relevant. Uh, literally this morning, I happened to be at a local hospital to go for a blood test. And I went in, signed in, gave all my information. They put this band on me. And I went to get the blood test in the lab. And the lab tech said, hey, wait a minute. That's not the right wristband for this test. I said, what do you mean? She called downstairs and they said, oh, yeah, it's the wrong band, et cetera, et cetera. So I asked her because I knew I was doing this podcast with you today. I said, what would happen if it was the wrong wristband. And she said, well, your wristband and your blood work, they wouldn't match up. And you could get the blood work of someone else. And some, I said, seriously? So ultimately, the point here is that I said, what's the biggest reason for that? She said, miscommunication and frankly, not attending to details. Please respond to that, doctor. Not my situation, but the larger question of miscommunication and not attending to details. No, uh, medicine is a big business. A lot of patients who come through healthcare, uh, it's all about communication. And how do we communicate to make sure that you get the right treatments and specifically medications? And uh, that goes anywhere from the prescribing provider, right? When they write the prescription to the hospital pharmacist who's dispensing it and to the nurse who's potentially administering it. So very important to have that communication and the electronic systems have really been shown to be a benefit to prevent errors. Uh, if you think about the old days when we used to handwrite, that was ripe with error, right? And physicians were known for their terrible penmanship. So I think things have gotten better and yet more complex because we have so many medications and there's so many complex treatments now compared to the past. If you're listening right now, we are in fact talking to Dr. Christopher Holsteg. Uh, this is Steve Adubato, the MD Advantage podcast, powered by Mag Mutual. I want I want to follow up on something. You, you talked about um, these errors, all kinds of errors, Could, and I mentioned my anecdotal situation. Beyond that, what are some of the most common medical errors, doctor, that we should be aware of as as patients, but also for physicians who are listening right now? 
Yeah, we want certainly patients to be well-informed and well-educated on this. They should be asking questions, right, of their physicians. And I like it when my patients do. It shows that they're paying attention. But some of the ones that are uh, occur, inappropriate medication for the condition being treated, uh, incorrect dosage or frequency of administration of a medication, wrong routes, fed or recognized drug-drug interactions. If you think about some of our elderly patients who might be on you know, 10, 15 medications, really common to get drug-drug interactions. If you have a known allergy, not having that documented and not paying attention to that and giving a medication that might cross-react. A lack of monitoring for drug uh, adverse effects. Um, many of our medications are very good at what they treat, but there can be adverse effects and physicians should be attuned to that. And missed or late dosing errors in the hospitals when we administer. And then simply, again, it comes to communication. How do we communicate between each other in a busy hospital environment specifically? I, uh, but even in the community practice, how do we communicate? And you want open communication. You want a nurse to be able to question back a physician or a pharmacist to call and say, hey, I got a question about this. Uh, I like it when they do that. You know, I like it when my nurses in the emergency department, for example, ask me, why are you giving that medication? That just shows that they're attuned to thinking through what they're administering. I want to follow up on something. You mentioned adverse drug reaction. Define the difference, if there is, Dr. Holstead, uh, is there a difference or what is the difference between a medical error and an adverse drug reaction? Yeah, there is a difference in how we look at those. So a medication error is any preventable event that occurs in the process of ordering or delivering a medication, regardless of whether an injury occurred or the potential for an injury was present. So we should have been able to predict that. Um, an adverse drug reaction is a response to a drug which is uh, uh, not anticipated, unintended, which occurred, which does not typically occur when you give that drug. And so it would not be predictable. For example, say I have an allergy to a medication. An adverse drug event would be that I gave a medication that is actually, I know as a physician, it's in the documentation that they're allergic to and it causes an allergic reaction. An adverse drug event uh, would be that I'm given a, a medication for the first time and say it's penicillin and they have an allergic reaction to that. That would not be anticipated. But as a good clinician, I'm, I'm aware that that can potentially occur and then what the proper treatment is and making sure that gets into their chart. So um, uh, medication errors can occur in the absence of injury to the patient too. And I think that's where this gets really challenging. Uh, because there's some reporting biases as we look at the literature on this. I'm much more uh, prone to report an error that occurs uh, that does harm as opposed to an error that doesn't do harm and may be very minimal. Um, and I think uh, that gets to be a bit of a challenge when we look at the literature too. But you, it's interesting you mentioned the degree of harm. Some medical errors are life-threatening, like yeah, they certainly are. And certainly people can uh, die, which would be the worst of all things to occur from uh, doing an inappropriate medication, uh, uh, medication error. Um, fortunately, if you look at the literature, certainly less than 1%, that does that occur? And again, there's a bit of a reporting bias. So even some of the percentages in the literature, I would say those are a bit uh, larger than uh, what is really out there, because there's so many other minimal errors that occur that just don't get reported. 
However, you can have some pretty life-threatening uh, injuries that occur, and those are thought to be less than 10%. Uh, in, and depending on how you define life-threatening, and then remember, there can be errors that occur even to mothers who are pregnant that can potentially lead to birth defects. Uh, you know, there's a number of ways to look at this, and it's pretty complex when you look at the literature. But again, uh, less than 1%, certainly fatalities, thankfully, uh, and certainly don't want that uh, number to grow um, and to have significant harm, uh, less than 10%, depending on how we define that. Advice for physicians who obviously coming from a good place, want to avoid medical errors, but things happen. Best way to avoid those things happening. Yeah, and you already identified one, Steve. You said, you know, the specific uh, patient identifiers. Those are really important. These barcodes that we put on wrists and we actually read back, the nurses will read back and make sure that you are actually the person who they're giving the medication to. And um, and I, uh, you know, very important. And that's where the, some of the electronic medical records and databases are really helpful. Uh, we always should verify allergies and reactions that they've had in the past uh, before medication is given. Highlight uh, what diagnosis they have, what kind of conditions, because some medications may be contraindication in certain uh, conditions. Mm -hmm. We as clinicians always need to make sure we update current medications. So I'll often get patients who come into the emergency department, don't know what they're taking, and then the list just hasn't been updated or they're seeing multiple providers. That gets really challenging uh, regarding drug interactions. We really wanna make sure uh, height and weight measurements are correct. Um, especially when we get into the pediatric population, weight becomes very important, but I'd also argue the elderly population too. Uh, all populations, but we're not always good about getting the weights and uh, the same dose is not necessarily used for everybody. What do pediatricians specifically need to be thinking about paying, paying attention to that would differ from a non-pediatrician physician dispensing medication for an adult patient? Some of the keys. Key one is weight. Uh, weight, weight, based, weight is number one. Yeah, from my perspective, and if you look at the literature, it's not considering the weight or doing your calculations uh, incorrectly. Uh, this is a certainly true in emergent situations. Uh, and again, it depends on the specialty. If you look at emergency medicine, for example, if I have a kid who's coming in who's uh, really sick uh, and needs resuscitation, uh, people are moving fast and you can be off by a factor of 10 on your calculation. And that can have certainly uh, uh, be a marked adverse event to have that occur. Think about a kid who comes in with anaphylaxis from a bee sting. We have to give epinephrine to. Uh, we want to make absolutely certain the dose of epinephrine is uh, spot on. We're not uh, giving the wrong dose. Um, uh, opioids. We have an opioid crisis in this country. We have to make sure the dose is correct. The opioid doses vary depending on which opioid we give. We've seen plenty of errors in that arena. Um, and we have to take into context, for example, if I have a patient who has kidney failure, they can't have morphine, uh, but they can have other drugs that are metabolized by the liver without active metabolites that get eliminated. So I always teach in my courses with my med students and residents, you have to pay attention to their organ dysfunction too. And pediatrics, uh, again, really important that we're communicating well with the teams and that we're reading back uh, what the orders are, uh, again, comparing 
and so much of it is weight-based. Uh, I can't stress enough the importance of that uh, for young kids. And the last thing with the kids, you know, if you get neonates, I have, a, uh, for example, my grandson was born prematurely. Their organs aren't fully developed. Uh, that's even more complex, uh, what medications they can get. Um, and that's where we have neonatologists uh, who know those issues that occur. But certainly family medicine doctors, others need to know uh, what about these really young kids who are premature? Uh, differences in metabolites, metabolism and what they should get. No detail, too small when you're dealing with uh, such important issues. Last question from my perspective. So uh, I'm a longtime student of leadership and communication. And, and one of the concepts in leadership that I adhere to is uh, ownership, ownership of mistakes, extreme ownership, as the, the book Extreme Ownership talks about. Now, why is this relevant to this discussion? Well, many physicians in hospitals serve on uh, multidisciplinary teams. There are nurses, hospital pharmacists, all a range of colleagues they're working with. Who is ultimately, from your perspective, doctor, who is ultimately responsible for the delivery of medication? And it's not about blame. It's more about accountability and responsibility. Who is ultimately I, I, I use too many sports metaphors. Who's the quarterback of this team? Yeah, it's you know it's a multidisciplinary team. We all work together, but the physician is still the lead of the team. And I've taught my residents this too. We need to pay attention to what's going on with the rest of the team. Um, and we are going to be seen as potentially responsible, even if it's a nursing error that occurs. We right. may still get named, even though we weren't around when that occurred. But it's being aware of all parts of our team. Uh, and uh, if you're, if the analogy is quarterback, I would say the physician is the quarterback of the team. And it's exceedingly important that we are constantly in communication. And likewise, Steve, as you mentioned with some of the publications that have been out there, my team can feel comfortable communicating back with me. If I make an error, I certainly want them to catch it and, and talk to me about it. My pharmacists, fantastic. They're very good. Their expertise is uh, just phenomenal in the emergency department where I work. Um, and my nurses, uh, before they administer, uh, same thing. I've had some really good catches from them just questioning, but they need to be able to question uh, and, and go back and ask the question of our, our licensed independent practitioners who are prescribing these and uh, especially the physicians. You know, finally, as you say this, Dr. Holsteg, creating a, a culture of open communication, honest communication, two-way communication, multifaceted communication. Uh, it sounds like you're talking about a physician leader who creates such an environment where he, she, they not only check, double check, and verify, but also are on the other end are very open and receptive to that feedback. Um, I cannot thank you enough on behalf of the MD Advantage team, uh, the MD Advantage podcast team. I want to thank you so much, Doctor, for joining us. We appreciate it. Steve, thank you. It's great to have the opportunity. You got on behalf of MD Advantage and Mag Mutual. This is Steve Adubato. We thank you so much for listening. Check us out next time.